Welcome to the Roadie Friday Podcast with your hosts, Darren Makins and Jose Escudero. sure i'm actually going to record this time so yeah fellas how you doing good man feeling good last last off day of tour so feeling good hell yeah where you at today detroit oh that's right yeah yeah you did say that detroit ish detroit ish area (laughs) detroit ish i don't think i've ever been in detroit ever not even on tour i think the closest i came was flint oh yeah the machine shop the machine shop yeah, so Drew, how you doing? Wonderful, man. We're 30-something shows into a two-month tour. Almost uh, time to go home. So, yeah, so, somewhere in Michigan right now. Had some chilies today. It's been pretty eventful. Oh, dude. <laughs> chilies is, like, I don't, and people, uh, people shit on Applebee's and chilies, but, like, I don't, uh, like. Who? It, Who are their, what are their names? <laughs> I'll give you names, hair color, <laughs> phone number. No, man, but that's, like. That's that's some good eating right there. I don't care who you are. Yeah, it might be microwave, but goddamn it, it's delicious. <laughs> so uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Chili was always a must with Seven Dust because that's uh, that's LJ's spot right there. Chili's Applebee's. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, LJ, LJ, and uh, LJ and Eddie. I remember it because like there was there was one day we had off. Uh, I think it was an off day, and uh, when I covered for you. And like everybody was talking about restaurants and LJ and Eddie were nowhere to be seen. And so then I was just like, you know what? There's a fucking Chili's here. I'm just going to like, whatever. I'm just going to go there and I'll eat by myself. And I walk in and it's those two degenerates like sitting at a table, like <laughs> day drinking. I say degenerates, but, but I love them both. Jägermeister and light beer. Oh, hey, <laughs> young buck, come over here and join us for a drink. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah. So Drew, uh, why don't you go ahead and tell us uh, how you got your start doing front of house in the music industry? Good question, man. Um, I've I've kind of mixed bands here and there uh, just for the past ten or fifteen years, but never really thought it was something that I would find myself doing in this capacity. I'm more of I would consider myself like a studio guy. You know, you you learn how to do all this stuff for various reasons that end up not being the reasons that you find yourself, you know, doing it every day. Um, but Breaking Ben has been the, probably the heaviest band I've ever mixed. So it's like, as a fan of heavy music, it's definitely, uh, been really cool. Hell yeah. So did you, did you go to like full sale or anything like that? No, man. I went to the, the U of tube, uh, you know, and, and just kind of just completely self-taught, you know, uh, a mentor of mine, uh, Matt Trevino is previous sound guy. Uh, for Breaking Ben, previous front house. And um, he's just kind of taught me a lot of tricks over the years. But uh, yeah, um, Jose and I are both former full sale student and it, it gave me a good foundation. Uh, I do a little bit of front of house here and there around Philadelphia. 
But the way that I like to describe my skill set as opposed to what you guys do is like if I'm riding a tricycle, you guys are driving the Starship Enterprise. Like that's kind of where the skills are. Like my skill level running front of house to what you guys do. But Full Sail gave me a really good like ground level education. But ultimately, like if people ask me, uh, you know, would you recommend something like Full Sail? I would honestly say no. And the reason for that is I would just, I would say to just go to your local music venue and, you know, work as a stagehand and start like, start learning from there and shadow somebody that runs front of house for your local music venue, something like that. Uh, so safe to say that that's probably the route that you took. Yeah, um, for sure. I mean, I definitely played in a lot of bands yeah. and, you know, it's just, it's cruiser expensive. So you just do it yourself, right? Yeah, oh yeah. Um, and so that's kind of, you know, where I learned personally, as far as, you know, going to school for it, I think it helps because it's like when you pay for a gym membership, you're probably going to go, you know, it keeps you accountable. There's some sort of, you know, uh, uh, curriculum that keeps you remotely on task, but doing, you can do those in conjunction with each other. I think that would probably be like a best case scenario, but you know, you don't need a school to teach you that stuff, but it is like, especially depending on where you live, sometimes it's cool just to have like a room with all these toys in it and you can, you know, mess up and it's okay. Um, that's pretty cool. Oh yeah, for sure. Especially like great entry level board is like the X 32 or something like that. Just get your hands on it, start turning some knobs, you know, yes. learning how to EQ, learning how to route and all that stuff. Um, well, what, what I got from my schooling was mainly, yeah, mainly a lot of debt. Oh, student fuck debt. yeah, <laughs> dude. I haven't, great for that yeah i'm uh i still owe another nineteen thousand, something like that and i've been out since 2008 <laughs> damn yeah it's yeah i've been out since 2015 and i don't even know and it, that's it just happens that's that's the one reason mainly because um i i blamed my debt for a long time as to why i couldn't pursue a career in the music industry like for right or for wrong, you know, that's, that's just, it's kind of like, as soon as I got out of school, I had this six month window as to like, okay, this is when I got to start paying $500 at the time it was $500 a month. So, you know, 18 years old, 19 years old, I just, I, and I have this $500 a month bill just looming over my head, which at the time was like rent. So like I had to pay rent while living at my parents' house you know, and working a job for $7 an hour or whatever it was. And, you know, ultimately, like those were just kind of excuses that I that I used over time to to delay making the jump as as a full time audio engineer. And even then, like, I don't really I don't really utilize my skills anymore. I'm a guitar tech. So, you know, sometimes I'll run monitors for band for bands if they don't have a monitor engineer. Like right now, I'm 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 helping out San Asonia when I go out with them, uh, run monitors. And it's even that, like those guys are really self-sufficient. So they have like, they have their, uh, they have the, uh, X32 app, like on iPads and their phones and stuff, and they'll keep them on top of the amps. And so they're pretty self-sufficient, but like, if you're in the middle of a show and you need an adjustment real quick, you know, look over at me and the system that I have worked out with those guys is they point to whatever they need. And then up or down. And so that's, sure. that's just kind of what I do for them. So again, it's not really anything intricate. It's just like, you know, okay, Adam's pointing to Tavis 
and then he points down. So I need to turn Tavis down. Boom. There you go. I mean, yeah, somewhere along the way, when before bands can afford to just have like, oh, I have the stage left guitar tech and the stage right guitar. They just have like a guy that does everything. And, you know, so it's very valuable to be well-rounded. I think, you know, you don't, before you get to just be like, I'm guitar tech for this side of the stage, you know? Um, uh, so there's, there's value in that for sure. It's just kind of finding those bands that need it. But I, I enjoy doing that because it just feels like, you know, it makes it retroactively not a waste of time or money. It's like, oh, cool. I get to do the thing I know how to do. Sure. I'll help you out. You know? Um, so I, it just makes the, the boring day fun, you know? So. Yeah. Is this your first tour with Breaking Benjamin? It is. It is my first tour with Breaking Benjamin. Uh, Matt, the buddy I was telling you about before, he's having a kid right now. And so I'm uh, pinch hitting with Matt. And uh, it's been great. Everyone's really cool. Uh, the Dis- Disturbs live show is is just insane. Intense. And uh, yeah, so it's it's been an educational process. Hell yeah, that's super sick. For, for a front of house guy, like, how do you know you're like getting good at it? Because, uh, like, for example, monitors like the band can hear what the monitor guy is doing, and you know they'll give him feedback. But like, the band never really knows what the show sounds like for the crowd. Like, how does that all happen? And you realize, like, oh, I'm getting good at it. Um. Well, I, I kind of mix from like kind of golden rule perspective. Even if there's a DB limit or something, it's just kind of like if I was standing here paying for a ticket. Um, this is what I would want it to sound like. And so for me, just getting closer and closer to what I wish it sounded like all the time, uh, is how I personally know. Um, but you know, this one time on this particular tour, the opening band had to drop out and Keith, the guitar player for Breaking Benjamin, his, uh, solo project opened the show. And so the entire band was in front of house, basically listening to their mix on Keith's, uh, on Keith's band. So, you know, you, you start to hear whispers about things and you hope that they're not just being nice, but you know, YouTube, it's interesting. The the game tapes, there's how it could sound, you know, during the show where the band can't hear. And then there's what they're going to hear on YouTube later. So got to make sure that both are kind of, yeah, uh, you know, working. Yeah. But that's a, that's a great question. I don't know. I don't know if I'm getting good. (laughs) Well, even then you guys, you guys have stuff, you have uh, tools in your tool belt, like virtual sound check where like, you know, if you're working with in conjunction with the, uh, you know, it, hopefully you have a good relationship with the front of house guy that you or girl that you quote took their job, and you know they can provide you <laughs> tracks to run a uh, virtual sound check. And then, like, if there's any questions, you can just go to the band and like join me for join me at front of house, and you know we can listen to the virtual sound check, and they can, you know, they can come out and hear it for themselves. And even then, I like the fact that you mentioned YouTube. And, uh, there's also, yeah. uh, this one guy that I worked with, uh, for some dates in Australia. He was, uh, we were at the tail end of three months of touring. And just for these last three shows, we had a different guy doing front of house because the guy that we had out with us had to go join another tour in Europe. And so, mm-hmm. uh, one of the things that, uh, this, the band that I was working for, uh, for a background for you, um, I signed an NDA. So on a, public platform i'm not allowed to say who i worked for and so um this guy like their 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 fans are very active on reddit and the last front of house guy who top tier pro works for like some real deal motherfuckers 
but he was just getting shredded on Reddit because like this this band just has like so he was getting shredded 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 dude so <laughs> shredded but like shredded it yeah but like people were telling him like his mix sucked and the lead singer's vocals weren't loud enough and this was bad and that was bad and it was pissing him off just because like he's a pro he knows what he's doing and you know i listened to the youtube videos afterwards and i'm like it's fine everything sounds fine but you know you know people that just don't know they don't know and that's not to say that in a condescending way and so i told the new front of house guy like hey do yourself a favor and save your sanity and don't go and read uh, the Reddit threads on, on the shows. And so the second show, he comes up to me right before the show and he's like, so I went on the Reddit thread and I read about the show yeah. and I'm like, you motherfucker, I told of you, I told you not to do that. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, even then, like going back and I do the same, th- I talked about this in the last episode, I do the same thing. Like if, if a band is performing, and, you know, it's too late for me to do anything about that particular show, but I'll actually go back and I'll listen to whether the guitars were in tune during a show and, you know, whether whether or not there was like a beat frequency or something like that between the backing tracks or the guitars or anything like that. Rant over. Yeah. <laughs> Should I get on Reddit right now? Like, do I need to? <laughs> <laughs> I've, yeah. I've, I've done that. Not, not Reddit specifically, but uh, especially... Uh, Last time I did it actually was when the Arizona show got canceled. Uh, and I, you know, I don't know. I got curious. So I started looking through Facebook on the event pages and stuff for the show to see what people were saying. And yeah, man, <laughs> it was, it was kind of wild. Oh yeah. I'm sure it was stuff. I'm sure it was stuff like these pussies can't perform in the heat. Like, and it's like, it's not, yeah, it's not it's bad. Like, it's like, why not? Why not play an acoustic show? Like, you realize this is an outdoor show you, where you'd fit like I don't know twenty thousand plus people. Like, yeah, how is anyone going to hear that? And do you think? Yeah, do you think we brought acoustics? Like, we didn't plan for this shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I've never really had any canceled shows in a long, you know, in ten years, fifteen years of touring, and now we've had two on this tour, and it's just kind of weird to me. One was for heat. One was for uh, rain. Yeah. What's next? We're we're in Michigan. We could get snowed in tomorrow. We're just not sure. <laughs> yeah, and to uh to Jose's point about the heat, like especially uh uh I, I think I might have mentioned this on the last episode, but we were just in Monterey, uh, Mexico, the band that I worked for, and that one's not an NDA, it was Black Veil Brides. And so like this club did not yeah, yeah this club yeah. <laughs> this club did not have heat or it did not have air conditioning. And there were some like windows up in the top that were like, that didn't have, it didn't have windows. It was just, it was just open. And so like the air temperature outside was one Oh four and they were doing their best with like fans and shit. And so like I had the Kempers on and we started doing sound check. We lost power three times during sound check. Uh, and then I, I we later found out that basically the whole venue was on one circuit. And so they brought in extra subs <laughs> for the show. And they were like, uh, we were doing everything that we possibly could to try and figure out why it kept tripping. And they were like, oh, it's all in one circuit. We'll just move the." And this is an hour after troubleshooting, like the, an hour troubleshooting. And they were just like, oh, we'll just move the subs to another circuit. And it was just like, that was a fucking option the whole time. Like... <laughs> And so, like, 
Yeah. And so in my part, like all the switching was done with MIDI. And so that way the guys don't have to have pedal boards, you know, they can run around on stage and, you know, be rock stars. And so the switching wasn't happening from the Kempers. And so I was, you know, doing my whole troubleshooting steps. Okay. Was something not routed properly? No, it's routed properly because it was switching earlier. And it was literally just that the Kempers were not reacting well to the heat. So it was just turning off and turning the Kempers back on. That's it. It's just the idiot switch. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The heat does not play well with the expensive audio gear. Come to find out. No, yeah. no, it doesn't. And even like, Oh, and, and they were trying, uh, another thing that was, they were trying to tell us that we were drawing too much power. And I was like, literally everything I have draws less than one amplifier, like one real tube amplifier head. So, you know, I don't know what to tell you. I can't, I, we can't downsize any, anymore. Right. Yeah. I remember that finish show of like walking out to front of house and Drew's there and Paul's there and Brad's like performing CPR on his console and, and there's like and i'm like is this show gonna happen and drew's like well i don't i don't think so man and there's like acs blowing in in there there's like dry ice in the console there's anything and everything was like on there just it was crazy i've never seen anything like that yeah i mean it was like the show died way before we could you know call it officially for insurance purposes it was like there's no way this is happening but it was like, let's try everything we can, you know, which we did. But it was just like, was the heat index was like 150 that day. Nope. I don't know. It was ridiculous. Yeah. And then, it, and then someone, someone mentioned, oh yeah, like the, the operating temperature of these things is like 96. <laughs> and like, you know, you hold a thermometer to it and it's like 110 turned off, you know, it's like, it's <laughs> ridiculous. Yeah, there's it's not looking good. There's nothing you can do at that point. It's not a it's not about the performers being pussies. These guys, you know, we work with them day in and day out, and I can assure you they are not pussies. There's one band in particular that like I, I, I don't want to say what band it is, just in case they don't want like their business like that out there, but they put on a very li- uh, intense live show. And so as soon as we're done packing up the trailer, you see them on the bus and they all have like ice packs everywhere. And like on their backs and, you know, legs and, you know, some, some dudes have like, uh, plantar fasciitis. And so like they're, they're like, they have frozen water bottles under their feet. And it's just like, these guys are putting their bodies through hell to put on these shows. So I can assure you that the heat, like, that's not the issue. You know, they'll, we'll figure out a way, some kind of way to keep the show going, whether it's like whole buckets of water just poured on them in between every song. <laughs> yeah. I and mean, people, you know, they, they rearrange their lives. They drive a long way and there's just 20,000 people in a parking lot and you got to turn them all away. It's never cool. It sucks. And I want to go back to the point where you said you've never canceled You've never been a part of a canceled show in 10 years. Oh man. Like literally ever. It's just like a cardinal sin, you know, um, the show must go on. Right. But <laughs> until it can't, until it can't, <laughs> that's not entirely true. It's not entirely. There's one show in recent history where, it was so hot. And this is kind of before I knew that you could just cancel a show. That, that was just an option. You could just be like, you know what? We're not going to play. It's too hot. So we just kind of tried and it didn't go well. It went about how you might expect. It's like band walks on stage and just cuts it like, like halfway through the first song, lose everything, but they can't 
they can they're not sure because they're on ears and then then it's just like a weird nightmare from their perspective and my perspective but uh yeah we ended up that was the only ever show that that uh that i lost but you know it was like it really was like an act of god kind of thing um so they still got paid oh yeah (laughs) it's like evil knievel you get paid for the attempt exactly and that's how it should be i mean yeah it sucks dude you you know you fly uh, across the country or whatever you bring all this gear you rehearse you set it up you come to a thing and then yeah (laughs) huge bummer but it was just so hot so freaking hot in the middle of the summer and uh, i'd much rather do it like we did it recently where you just like save yourself the nightmare you know just we'll come back when it's colder we love you Good night. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Because I, I don't think I've been on any tour in my entire career where at least one show wasn't canceled. Oh, really? I'm trying. I'm, I'm legitimately trying to think of any tour. No, the uh, hasn't. Yeah, the three month one. Not a single show was canceled. But I mean, and I don't I don't really count Seven Dust as a tour just because I only did that for like a a, a week, a week and a half. Uh. I mean, so on the Trinity tour, we pulled off of a show because the lead singer wasn't feeling well, but the actual show itself wasn't canceled. So I don't know if that counts. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, maybe I'm trying to think of like people just being sick, but even then it's like, you just, just pump this guy full of whatever drugs are required and we'll figure it out. Oh, and then there's you the know. tour that I worked for Nonpoint where uh we were we were on our way to the next show and the weld holding the trailer onto the bus completely ripped off and the trailer flew into the woods. That was a fun one. <laughs> to be woken up to be woken up by your drum tech just coming into the back. You're trying uh. to sleep and he just goes, "Our trailer's gone." And then suddenly you just hear the <laughs> zip of all of the bunks opening and no, the, the, I can have already hear like the the curtains for the, the it was on the bus. It was <laughs> and it's like what the fuck? And our 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 bus driver was freaking out. He was just like, "What minute it was there, and then the next minute it's gone." And I and so yeah, that was wild. But uh, front of house and guitar techs, like we essentially we are in two completely different worlds. Like you're out there in the crowd doing your thing. We're on stage backstage doing our thing. So I couldn't even tell you like front to front to back, like what a front of house dude and dudette's day is like. So, you know, run me through your day. What does your typical day look like? Okay. Um, on this tour, we load in at 1030, but we often don't get our gear till maybe closer to noon. Um, catering is a huge part of the day. Um, of course it is. And uh, so you try to get your stuff built relatively early and then really just hang around for sound check. Once you get the stage, just run through all your lines, make sure everything is communicating. And then there's more catering. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's basically kind of just taking yesterday's show into today's venue, making sure it sounds all right. And as long as everything is just still working, then we should have a show. Um, man, is it really just that boring? <laughs> well, I mean, you've got yeah. you've got some inappropriate jokes in there, and you know, you're fucking around with with <laughs> everybody else that's like 
trying to set up their stuff and it's just like hey you guys want to hear the gnarliest fart in the world you know just (laughs) shit like honest to god it's like 10 year old boy toilet humor yeah this part has to be cut out or bleeped out but yeah like I need to get my head in order before the tour ends or else this is going to slip out. Oh, for sure. Not in real yeah. life. <laughs> in real life. Yeah. Honestly, there's there's a lot of those comments of like, yeah, God, that used to be so funny. Man, I wish I could still say that. Nah, and then people just do. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, uh, on the Trinity tour, I, I ended up calling a lot of people just degenerate. Like, you fucking degenerate. Like, just walk like there would there wouldn't even be prompting. I would just walk up to them and be like, "You fucking degenerate." <laughs> yeah, I think that's most of us in one way or the other. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Like it's nothing but scumbags back here. But you know what? We have a good time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, another thing that uh, I've been incredibly interested in is like building a mix. Like I've heard of some people that build their mix around the vocals, and uh, me personally, I just I, I start with like I I call it building from the ground up and essentially like and again I'm riding a tricycle while y'all are ri- are riding the uh are driving the Starship Enterprise but like I'll start uh literally and it's it's the order that you do essentially when you're doing line check is kick snare hat tom 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 so I build that's how I build my mixes when I'm doing front of house uh so like what what Let's just say you roll up one day and you've had uh, no communication with the former front of house person and you're just like, you know what? I'm just going to... This gig's all me. I'm going to build everything from the ground up. So what What would you do? Good question. Um, I mean, the kind of zoomed out philosophical approach is is just making sure that, number one, that it sounds good. Yeah, number two, I just that you can kind of hear the vocal. That's a big one for me. Um, it's just kind of lost in so many mixes. I feel like mm-hmm. if people are, they know how to get the music part and they're just, that's cranking. That's awesome. And that's cool. But I think most people are really like focused on the vocal. Um, so start there, like you said, and then just kind of blend in everything around that. Cause especially on this tour, there's a lot of other stuff in the vocal mic. So it's a good place to start. So you're not like building your mix from the bottom up and then introducing your vocal and like, Oh, wow. It's really noisy in that, you know. Um, there's things you can do to take that out. Yeah, like an octagate or something like that. Good, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's a good place to start. Um, that's usually where I start with the uh, the virtual sound check. It's just like, okay, where's the vocal need to be today? And um, but yeah, just kind of side chaining things so that if someone's singing, the band is ducking underneath that, you know. Um. It's all about the vocal. Yeah, because uh, the one thing that, uh, you know, definitely when I started doing like really anything in, in the concert industry was like recognizing how, Im- how, how important it is for like not only proper mic techniques, but using the right microphones for, you know, the different settings uh, or, or the, the different instances. And you know, making sure that your vocalist knows how to hold a microphone. Like, 
if you just give if you just give a microphone to somebody, cup it, uh, just cup it. Yeah, exactly. You just you just fucking cup the mic the entire time, and you just no. But like, it's just it's proper mic technique. It's you know, and the best example that I can give to somebody that doesn't work in this industry is like if you go to a wedding, and it's about time for the best man or the the bridesmaid to give out the the speech. They're gonna hold the microphone this far away from their face, and you know the DJ is giving like you can just see it in their face, like the MC or whatever. Their whole and you know they have to run back to their board and turn it down because it's gonna start feeding back into the PA system. But like you know, just utilizing the right microphones for the right I keep doing that uh, situations, and especially like. There are things that are outside of your control as well when it comes to being the front of house person. For example, uh, I said the Octagate earlier. That's something that's powered by Phantom Power. So, you know, that's not an option for a wireless mic. I'm sure you probably could figure it out at some point, but ultimately, like, it's going to drain the battery. And so you might, like, if they do figure it out one day, you might get, like, an hour's use out of that microphone, which, you know, if it's draining the battery like that, maybe the singer can switch. There's many different ways, but on top of that, like, so the lead singer typically stands directly in front of the drum set. And so like, if they pull the microphone away from their mouth or whatever, you're going to get a lot of bleed from the drums. And so part of your job is figuring out how to clean up that signal, whether it's through, um, drummers, drummer for bringing Benjamin. That is Sean. What's his name? Sean. Yeah, Sean. Uh, I saw that he had shields. And for mm-hmm. for one of the uh, shows in Mexico, we kind of made these, like, we took drum heads, bass drum heads, and just drilled out, like, drilled a hole in the center and then just threw them on cymbal stands. And, like, it looked terrible, but it, it helped shield a lot of the highs from the cymbals from the, from the, uh, from the mic. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there are some tricks you can, you know, I feel like that's not doing nearly as much as maybe some of the, the, uh, plugins or outboard gear that you can use these days. Um, they work, works really well. And if only you could tell your singer to hold the mic correctly. Yeah. You know, sometimes that's just part of the gig, you know, you gotta, but there, there's even, you know, there's just little charts with like, has like the different ways to hold the mic and then like the graph that you have to make, you know, it's just kind of, you learn that, I can't walk up to the singer and be like, you know what you should do? Oh. You know, as, as much as I'd love to. There's um, a hey person that hired me and pays me. But let me tell you how to do your job. <laughs> Honestly, sometimes it's you can. cool when they're that receptive. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm just not, I, I just like, if there's a solution that I can, you know, do on the board instead of that, I'll probably offer the, the former. <laughs> Absolutely. But, you know, it's having awesome source tones and people that really just take pride in that is, is always a pleasure. And then there's those bands that just kind of prove to you that it, how much that doesn't matter. You know, like these, (laughs) these guys spend zero, you know, just no time thinking about certain things. And it's just the craziest show you've ever seen in your life because everyone's just having a great time. So it's, it's easy to get kind of bogged down in some of those details as a front of house guy. Um, but I just try to like think of terms of the big picture, like, you know, what everyone's there to do, 
have a good time, kind of maybe understand what someone's saying and uh, not get too like zoomed in, you know, on any one thing. Uh, I'm glad you brought that up because that's definitely something that I get lost in is being detail oriented versus looking at the big picture and, you know, not trying to micromanage my job, but rather, you know, just taking a look at the whole th- at the whole thing as a whole, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It's good to be able to do both, you know, just like wear both hats, but, you know, got to can't get too locked on, you know? Yeah. Because like, ultimately, I'm sure that you've experienced this at times, but there's times where you could spend all day EQing a snare drum and making sure that the compression is right and the, the, the gate and all that stuff. And I'm using all these terms so that way you respect me and think that I know what I'm talking about. But ultimately you can, you can spend all day, like, you know, changing the threshold for, you know, just, just all of this. But then like, you know, at the end of the day, like after a certain point, it's just like, how much is it really improving? Sure. Right. Um, you know, I feel like most of the work should be done, uh, before the first show, you know, and, and then once you're, once you arrive there, you're kind of just making adjustments for the room. But, uh, I think it's possible with all this kind of virtual stuff. And you, even if you have to go into the shop a day before the tour or something, but there's usually enough time in rehearsal just to do most of that stuff before you ever get out there. So you're never really having to like toil with anything uh it is sometimes a little different whenever you know like like you said gates or whatever on drums just kind of dialing those things in a little bit as you go but you don't want to be making any just giant broad strokes after the tour's already going maybe some people do but i i just sleep better at night knowing that it's just done so essentially what you do is you have your mix built in the beginning and then you just tune it to the room that you're in that's exactly right. And, you know, there's like a little wiggle room as far as just like, I, I don't even really know how to explain it that some rooms, like the drums are a little bit louder than they were the night before. They just need, feel like they need to be. Maybe that's just some internal thing that I need to go get my hearing checked or something. But um, I keep getting my hearing checked and it keeps coming back fine. So um, some rooms are just, you know, really bad. Some rooms are really great and you do have to do kind of weird things, but generally the mix is, is what it is. And then you're kind of just using like adjusting general volumes on stuff, you know, like I'm trying to all the drums up or all the guitars up instead of, you're never really, you know, dialing things in on the individual channel level. Yeah, for sure. Um, and the best example, like obviously, uh, for the types of, I use the term rooms, but most of your guys' shows have been outside, if not all of them. But, you know, when you're, when you're working arenas or you're working like large amphitheaters, sheds, as people, people in our industry call them, you know, they're, they're, they tend to be a bit more consistent just because the layout is generally the same. But like, you'll really start to see these differences in like theater and club touring because, you know, especially like if you're playing 500 cap rooms and you know the machine shop as mentioned before is not like hooligans in north carolina is not like the nile theater you know uh just all of these different rooms they're all made at like some of them are 
brand new and they still have that new venue smell. It doesn't have vomit in the carpet or anything like that yet. But like, and, and there's other rooms that are like, you know, 200 years old and, you know, that you can hit the dust in the ceiling and the dust in the ceiling has seen Charlie Chaplin perform, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> and, and some of them are like the walls are concrete. And so like the, 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 the sound waves are going to bounce back and forth versus like a wooden room that is going to absorb a bit more of the sound. So, you know, I, I guess, I guess the point that I'm trying to get here is just tuning a PA system is probably the, the best way that you're going to be able to adjust a mix room to room to room. Yeah. Cause it's like, if you're, if you're having an issue with your snare drum, there's some weird frequency that's, it's probably going to be affecting everything at that frequency, you know? So you can kind of just have the more kind of top down, uh, adjust your master graph instead of like your EQ on your snare drum kind of thing. Um, and it just saves the problem of not having to build the show from scratch every day because that gets old. And it just wouldn't be that different than if you're kind of starting, you have this kind of starting point and then you're just kind of making kind of fine tuning adjustments. And again, it's just, it's just so much less stressful. I don't know. I know that there are guys that don't have the luxury of like carrying their own board. And then every day it's just, okay, what board are we using? <laughs> That's just, yeah. I wouldn't, I would quit. I would quit. It, and, you know, there's, uh, it's just not fun for me anymore. I don't think after a while, you, I guess you just learn every board, but I'd, I'd rather be really good at like a couple, you know. Uh, on this tour, have we been using the same PA every night? Same PA every night. And that's okay. the other the I was thing. Gonna, that, yeah, that's where I was going to go and like, yeah, like, yeah, like get you like, hear you talk about the challenges of when you have to, when every night's a, not just a different room, but a different PA too. Like, yeah. I, not all PAs are made equal and they all have their own kind of uh, unique characteristics and you get to really love some and not others. Cause it's like, you just, you show up and you, you turn your mix on and it sounds amazing versus when it doesn't. And so you start kind of noticing the, the names of the, the brands when, when it does, and uh but we're, we've been fortunate on this tour we have a a claire uh, cohesion rig um and so what's cool about this tour is that we uh you know have a system tech that just dials it in perfectly every day we really lean on her uh to do a great job and then that's that's what allows it to just be turned on and sound good is it you know and if it doesn't well then it's a great place to look but she does a great job and in, in, you know, you just rely on that process so that when you just turn your mix on, you're show ready. Oh man. And keep it and keep it with the theme. I just had a question and it went away. <laughs> I'm really interested in the songs that people choose uh, to tune the PA system. So what's, what's your uh, song? That's a good question. I use the band song. I, I use just the, the the previous night's show or like the last equivalent kind of venue that that uh you know capacity and uh acoustically like if there were there sidewalls was it just a festival you know so try to find one that's as similar to today's room and just use that but whenever i just uh have some time to kill and i want to do that um my existence i think there's a bunch of artists on it but skrillex is one of them that song is pretty awesome for that. Um, let's see. There's a, there's a band. Uh, dang it. What? A, 
you guys won't hate me if I look at my Spotify so I can answer this question. No, no, no not at called... all. Because the, the, the most interesting one that I've had on tour was uh, the, the front of house dude when I was out with uh, a band that was supporting Hell Yeah. He used the No, no Doubt song. Uh, oh my gosh, what? You know I'm feeling hella good, so let's just keep on dancing. And so, like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and just like, and and he used that to like balance the uh, the subs with you know everything else, just because that song is very bass heavy. But like on top of that, mm. you would you would just see these like tough looking like tattooed you know road dog motherfuckers, <laughs> and then just like no doubt, and Gwen Stefani would just start coming out of the PA system, and it's like, oh, that's different. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, um, the, the song is called Becoming Insane by Infected Mushroom. I use that one a lot. Um, and But no, this tour has been awesome because uh, our SE, our system tech, will play like the most whispery female acoustic uh, sad music all day to tune to PA. And it's for disturbed. Like, you think you might want something... Not it's not the total opposite of it, but she just walks around for twenty minutes, walking around having this this spiritual experience of tuning the PA with her whispering acoustic music. Um, so it's really to each his own or her own. Come to find out, <laughs> um, no, but hey, whatever method uh, produces those results is the right method to me. Yeah, exactly. Like it doesn't matter how you get there as long as you get there. Yeah. Although, although if I'm like, there's certain people that if I'm in the car with them and I decide to take the back roads because life is exciting, you should take the back roads sometimes. They're just like, no, oh, yeah. that, that's not the right way. This isn't the most efficient way. And it's like, yeah, shut up. This is the fun way. Like, you know. Absolutely. Don't tell me how to get there. You're not my dad. <laughs> <laughs> This is not on the record. No, no, no. This is this. Listen, my job, my job here is not to get anybody fired. I just want to, I just want to chop it up with the homies and like, you know, okay. So for these black veil shows that I did in Mexico, um, I was hired after they like advanced backline and all that stuff. So I was not involved in the backline conversations and, you know, I did my due diligence of like, as soon as I got to the practice space, I brought flash drives and thumb drives and stuff like that just to make backups of the Kempers and all that stuff. And initially what I was going to do was I was just going to fly with their wireless units and just roll with the whatever Kempers they decided to give me uh, in whatever city that I was in. But then I was like, do I trust that? No. Mm. Like, yo, they're definitely still going to bring the, the, the Kempers and they're still going to be there for standby. Fuck it. I'm even going to bring my own backup Kemper. So we had the three Kempers that were used for the shows, and then we had a lunchbox Kemper that I brought as a backup, and then we would have the three Kempers that they brought uh, as the initial rental. So for a total of seven Kempers, uh, <laughs> you know, just in case one goes down and I decide to use the backup one, but then, oh, a second one goes down, I'm still not fucked because there's three more. I'm just, I'm a huge fan of redundancy. God when it comes to live shows same i'm just becoming a more and more of a fan of analog uh in my old age Ooh, let's as talk well. about that 
Um, have you ever done like, for, like have you been in your career? Have you been like uh, more of a digital guy or? Well, as like in, in terms of the creative pursuit of like making stuff, you can get really bogged down in analog versus digital whenever your focus should just be like, okay, doesn't sound good. What do I have to say? Yeah. What, what, what's the mess? You know, like what, again, back to big picture stuff, but in terms of reliability of a live show, you know, uh, I, electricity's good. The fewer computers, the better. Maybe it should be a good rule of thumb. Um, some of them are kind of unavoidable and then those could be redundant, but everything else, let's just plug something in that doesn't beep or boop and yeah, I just I feel better. It helps me sleep at night. The more analog gear that is making that is uh, uh, contributing to the sound, um, I think you know the Serb sound guy just removed his last plug-in from his mix the other night. Like he had, he was hanging on. He had one last plug-in and done. So just all outboard gear. Um, I, you know, he might be doing some like. EQing or compressing or gating or whatever on the board, but no plugins, no waves racks. Just running everything stock. I mean, he just has like a 10 foot tall rack of out, outboard gear, you know, which has its own set of problems, I guess. Avoid things with tubes if you're going to let them rattle down the highway for two months. But uh, yeah, the fewer things that can just go down. I mean, I guess anything can go down, but it seems like that's just a digital thing more more than anything. Yeah, for sure. Because um, the one band, the 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 NDA band that I was working for, at one point, uh, the front of house board crashed, and it was it was a related crash. I'll cut that part out because I'm sure a lot of people don't like discussing that. But um, it was a it was a the board went down. But the monitor rig didn't go down. So like, and it was all in ears, no cabs, all that stuff. So everybody on stage was still hearing noises, but then everybody in the crowd was like, there's no sound. What do we do? And so like the, the, the performers were still performing their full show because they could hear themselves and the lights were still flashing, just nothing coming out of the PA. Yeah. Just nightmare scenarios, man. However, we need to avoid them. Let's take yeah. those steps. Yeah, actually, like that, something kind of like that happened last night uh, in our ears. Uh, uh, the guitars were cutting out, uh, both Jason and Keith, at the same time. So when you hear that happen, like first thing is, oh shit, wireless RF, and but everything's fine. But then, yeah, we realized it was happening on both sides. So like at that point, it's not, oh shit, it's not my rig if it's happening on the other rig too. Yeah. Uh, and then we're like, like cowboys, like on the talk by Drew, Drew, like, are the guitars cutting out in the front of house? And Drew's like, well, I don't, I don't nope. know what you're talking about, dude. Yeah. <laughs> and we're like, oh shit. Like, and then, yeah, I think like what ended up fixing it was like turning off plugins that were running for the in ear mix. Uh, and yeah, we didn't have any issues after that. Like gear becomes like fashion or something at a certain point. It's like, it's just, you always want to keep getting the latest and greatest thing. And, but like a working stable thing is the greatest thing. Yeah. You know, and I, I mean, like perfect example, you see these like old Axe effects breaks that people are still touring with over the 
XFX3. It's like, man, we dialed in on that. It sounds good. That took a long time. We're just going to roll with that. You know, like, uh, if it's not broke, don't fix it kind of a thing. Um, but again, people just keep introducing new and, uh, because it's new, probably digital things to their, to their signal chains. And what are we really gaining here? I don't know. Can we, can we, can we achieve it some more stable way? Less is more. My favorite guitar rigs are the ones where it's guitar, wireless, Kemper. Boom. Done. Easy. Boom. Sounds fucking great. Yeah. I definitely can nerd out over like the, just the coolest, most efficient rig. I remember when Weezer came on Conan O'Brien with just nothing but line six. So it was just like three mic stands, three wireless guitars. Like where'd all their stuff go? The in-ears. And, and I was just like, it, no, like same. Like I, I love, uh, well, it's kind of changed over the recent months, like especially like touring with Germani and and like learning about all this cool analog gear. Uh, but I always love just like shrinking my rig like over time. Uh, and when I was playing in California, uh, I was, I would always like brag so much about like my entire life rig, like goes on the plane with me in a backpack, you know, like, just backpack with a, it was, a, it was a line six, uh, pod HD 500 X just in this backpack with like, uh, I had like a couple additional pedals, just everything in one backpack, some clothes. And that, that was what I would like fly with. And it would all go it, in the overhead compartment on the yeah. plane with me. It was so sick. Efficiency. Yeah. yeah. I love that. And you just have your guitar in that backpack yeah. and you're ready to, that's like your, you know, Let's go world. And especially like if you're flying or something like that, like you don't really have to declare it on a carnet. You can just say, no, it's personal. I'm just It's a personal item. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Makes it so much easier to go through customs. Uh, hey, what's that? Oh, yeah. I, I like playing music. It's fun. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like you guys said as well, like downsizing gear. Like, and so like I actually have my guitar, uh, my entire rig, which is literally like this big. That's my live rig. It's like four inches by eight inches. And, you know, I just I scoop it up from the ground. All right. Uh, load it out in less than a minute. Fuck you guys. Have fun with your drum set. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. That quad cortex is pretty looking pretty attractive these days. Yeah, I bought one recently and I love that thing. Hell yeah. Do you have a contact with, uh, with Norl? <laughs> It's called reverb.com. Uh, okay. uh, I was about, to, I was about to say, I can get you an email address, son. <laughs> well, no, I, I do, uh, I do. I've, I've spoken to Doug okay. several times. Yeah. No, we, uh, and I actually DM'd him, uh, you know, a few times and yeah. So I, I have some contact. I've never asked him for stuff, but. Oh yeah. No, I, I've, I do have contact with Doug. Yeah. I've never, I've never. I don't ask for free gear. I just ask for responses if I have questions with gear. And that's been yeah. my number one gripe with like sales reps with company is just like, you know, I, I hate waiting on emails. And so like, you know, if I have a question, like it's just a real quick, like, Hey, I don't want anything for free. I just want a contact. I just want somebody within your company. So that way, if I have a question about something, you'll get back to me. 
at a relatively reasonable time. Yeah. A little artist support. Yeah. Yeah. That's all I want. I don't want, like, I don't want shit. I just want an answer. If I, you know, why, why is this plugin keep crashing? I, you know, or like, why does this keep crashing? I'm on forums and I'm seeing like eight different answers as to what it could possibly be. And like, I know that five of them are bullshit. Like, I just want to ask you. That's all. That's a big. That's a big part of that. Like, you want the like for any are a good example. You know, you want the thing that is the best thing, but it might not get the best service over there. Um, yeah. You know, so going just. But I think that's all of them, especially in kind of a a labor shortage. Especially, you know, they oh, just sure. they don't want to post that on their site. Hey, we're having problems. They'll, they'll just. Go give their three grand to somebody else or whatever. So yeah, okay, you can um, help me. Cool, I'll just go here. But man, you can't let that slip. Once that starts to slip, then people are just like, okay. Well. Did you guys have anything you wanted to talk about or anything? Yeah, this is the end. Okay, fine. I guess. No, no, I know no, you guys no. normally do three hours. No, but, no, uh, whatever. No, no, no. <laughs> oh no, I keep I keep mine in it. Joe Rogan can keep that fucking three hour long shit. We're 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 all we're all fucking working men. We got shit to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I got I got naps that need to be taken. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. There's uh, the office is going to watch itself. Um, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Parks and Rec won't watch itself. Yeah. Uh huh. No, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then we'll we'll end this with uh, with Drew. What is your favorite thing about touring, and what's your least favorite thing about touring? Oh man, when you get to meet new people that you really uh, like, life lifelong friends. You know, uh, strangers that become lifelong friends. That's a cool part about touring. Um, but it's just, it's still not lost on me that I even get to do this at all. Oh, so yeah. especially at, at front of house, you know, when I get to mix a band that I used to just sit there and like learn their songs on my first guitar. Like I, I try to really hold on to that, uh, you know, just kind of gratitude. Uh, about about that um even on the worst day which is never that bad yeah exactly just like you know now now that you're working like and obviously you know part of being a professional and this is this is the quote that i use all the time part of being a professional is even if you're in the end zone at the super bowl act like you've been there before so it's like you know these artists that you've listened to since you were a kid it's still like you walk up to them day one uh Hey, I'm Darren. Nice to meet you. You know, I'll be your tech. You know, all that stuff. You know, just keeping keeping that poker face. When really on the inside, you're like, oh, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You have to pretend that you don't care. About yeah, exactly. You, pretend you don't yeah. care. Oh, you ain't shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'll run circles around you. Ah, yeah, I'm crazy. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, I've had so many crappy jobs, and and especially after. That plus like a COVID thing, it's just to be out here at all is uh, is a miracle, I feel like. And no, I mean, that's the, again, there's the worst thing is not very bad. So I um, feel pretty fortunate. Yeah. For sure. Hell yeah. All right, cool. Well, uh, that's all I got, gentlemen. It's uh, been awesome talking to you guys, and uh, I hope you both take care of yourselves. Hey man, thank you for having me. Yep. Take care, guys. Thank you for listening.
for listening to the Roadie Friday Podcast. Have a question or an idea? Email us at roadiefridaypod at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Theme music by Ricky Armelino. Editing and production by Darren Makins. 